Welcome back to Nose to Nose, the podcast with Michael Kutza and Gino Suarez. Hello, Michael. Hey, Gino, what's up? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> we went to the movies. We did go to the movies. What yeah. did we see? It's not what we saw. It's the whole idea of going back to the movie theater, which we've not been into for almost a year. And what I noticed, it was cool. You, you, you book your seat online and, and all that. And you get to the, we went to the AMC 600, which is sort of a nice looking place with these lounge seats and all this crap. We got to tell them what we uh, watched. And, oh, well, I'll get, I'll get to that. But <laughs> my initial impression was suddenly you got these beautiful, nice empty theater, 110 seats, and it was sold out with about 30 people with the new restrictions. And the first thing I noticed, you, you have these lounging, like business class on an airplane seats. However, they've introduced these tables that are really in your way and you can't do anything about them. And it sort of stunted the whole feeling for me. I, I like felt trapped in these cool seats with this table. I agree. It's like the swivel out table for but it, but it doesn't, it, you couldn't get rid of it. And that really was annoying. And then wearing the mask for two and a half hours, I found very difficult. Well, that's, you could have got around that by grabbing something to eat. That's what I did. I bought Reese's Pieces and ate one every minute so, so I didn't have to wear the fucking mask. So you had a use you had a use for the table. Well, the table, well, that whole thing bothered me. To be frank with you, I... Bothered me. By the... Halfway through the movie, I was sprawled out with my feet over it because you couldn't comfortably sit in the chair, so I just wrapped my foot around it like a that, snake. I, exactly. It's someone's... It's ill-conceived. But, but anyway, we went back to the movies. Went back to the movie theater. Discounted parking. That That was pretty good. Uh, Disc, quote unquote discounted. Yeah, ten bucks is cool. It was thirty nine dollars until that, you know. Yeah, whoever makes whoever makes those parkings really is just that's called a the killing. city city of Chicago. Jesus. Mayor Daly did that. That's and that's probably the biggest complaint yeah. that my generation has yeah. about going to the movies. Nobody wants to pay all right. this money to go to a movie. Hence, and then you put it on no. HBO Max, and it makes it even worse. So then we went to see Godzilla versus King Kong now. I know you're not familiar with either one of them, right? You never grew. I grew up on King Kong and Godzilla. No, I absolutely no clue about either of the movies, either of the monsters or any of the movies previous to them. And I should have watched one of them or two of them before yeah, doing yeah, the King, podcast, but King, I never got around to King it. King Kong is pretty way back there. 1933 is pretty cool. I know I, I didn't see it when I was at 1933. However, when I did see it as a kid, it kept coming up on TV all the time. And uh, it's it's a it's a great story and uh, this this giant thing that a man always wants to take out of the jungle and promote and destroy etc cetera, etc. Cetera. I have a problem though in every King Kong movie he dies but he seems to be alive in the next one I've never understood that in the whole sequel of things. Well, Whatever. I guess that's that's a never-ending story. They just isn't it because it the reasons personally I never really liked the movies is I always felt like it was just the same story. He dies at the end. He always has some girl that he traps on the top of a tower, and you just just beat the same horse over and over again. It's like the new Spider-Man movies. After yeah, after the see, Peter Parker one, he kind of just like see, not Peter God, Godzilla never dies. He just goes back and swims away. And um, so the history of these things are sort of curious. When you think of the Godzilla monster, we created it because we were always doing nuclear testing in the Pacific, and supposedly the testing. 
erupted this this thing under under the, the core of the earth or something and this Godzilla was awakened it's our fault and he came to destroy us because we did destroy them he's Japanese by the way to me it's just a political thing after World War II and we destroyed Hiroshima they got Godzilla to kill to get us and the same thing with this movie when you have Godzilla destroying Hong Kong I thought, well, what is that's interesting. This film was made by the Chinese, Legendary Pictures. And here's Destroying Hong Kong, like Beijing is today destroying Hong Kong. I thought, hmm, I wonder if anyone's going to talk about the political significance. I definitely this. thought about that when they, uh, when they were... It's funny because uh, a lot of the movies that come out now, they always have the American version and they have the Chinese version. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering to myself, I was like, do you think that they're going to destroy Hong Kong in the Chinese version? Because I don't think the Chinese are going to take too lightly to Hong Kong getting destroyed. I don't also know if they're that stringent. You hear the stories about them being super stringent on things, but I don't personally know. But I did think about that. Absolutely. And the little girl, isn't she Asian of some sort? The little girl, the little love interest of King Kong in this thing, this little 10-year-old. She looked more Polynesian than she did Asian. Yeah, but since it's a legendary picture, uh, I felt she had to be a, a mix of something or other. Was this the uh, first time that King Kong could speak in sign language? <laughs> that the whole movie was just her sign, signing to the monkey, which my question is, who taught the monkey how to sign? Well, no, normally you have Faye Ray or Jessica Lange, a beautiful woman, talking to King Kong, and he seemed to understand English. I, I never questioned that. Now he's doing he's doing American sign language, by the way. See, these are all the questions that we need to figure out. How does a monkey speak English? How does it understand sign language? One of the coolest things when the film really started, but since you're not a King Kong person, the cutest thing was King Kong, first shot, is old. He's got gray hair. I thought, wow, they actually thought about this. This guy, since he's been hanging around since 1933, he actually has gray, long hair, and he's a little overweight. Well, he's a monkey. Don't monkeys he's more have than a monkey. wispy hairs? Well, but they, he hasn't. He's always had black hair in the last eighteen movies. Well, <laughs> Suddenly, he's getting old. Was that as the he's advent of technology old. has gotten easier? It's now easier to make him look older than it was before. Before they were just shuffling and scrambling yeah. to get him See, to I look would, kind of normal. I would like to have seen this movie over at Navy Pier at IMAX. And now they just announced IMAX is being closed permanently. R.I.P. to that. Which is sad. Very sad. You know, back years ago at the film festival, I think it was back in '68, had a young filmmaker with an independent film. Um, I can't remember the title of it now, but uh, this guy, I said, "What are, what are you What are you doing after this?" He's a Canadian American. I said, "What are you doing after this film?" Uh, well, I'm going back home. I, I've, I'm inventing the world's largest projected image. And I'm building it. I'm building it for our, our Film Expo, or World's Fair, or something in Montreal, and it's going to be called IMAX. His name is Graham Ferguson, and he really did that with his cohorts. They built IMAX for the first time, and I don't know if Graham is still alive, but um, it's sort of exciting. This little filmmaker, yeah, I'm going to go make this thing. <laughs> so, do you know how the IMAX technology works? Did he ever explain to you what what makes it so? enveloping when you are sitting in the actual theater because it's not like any other movie if you've never seen a piece of IMAX film if I had it here if I was at the office my old office I would show you a piece of it instead of a a aperture frame of 35 millimeter they take approximately I I can't do it right now but I can show you one frame of film is probably 
four times larger than normal film. And then you put that to the projector, and that's why you have this incredibly clear, gigantic image. It's, well, it's beautiful. Well, it's also a little... And it's uncellular, of course. Well, it's also almost like a 180-degree dome, right? No, not dome. This is straight on big square screen. There's another one called Omnimax. It's on a dome. That's awful. We, that, have, we have one of those left. At the Museum of Science and Industry, there is an Omnimax. But is that, everything is totally distorted on the dome. Because I always remember when I was younger, we used to go to what they would consider IMAX at, I don't know what museum it is at Navy Pier, but they had the IMAX theater, and I was, was intrigued as to why it was so, almost like a half-dome arena. So, but I guess I'm getting the two confused. You are because you're you're dumb and young and don't you've never seen these things. Dumb. Well, they're they're also a dying <laughs> a dying breed of film, which is which is sad because those are actually really really cool. But what I don't understand uh, technologically, and I'm sure someone will set me straight immediately, is now that you're not putting this on film digitally, how is how is IMAX made? How do they do it now? Whatever. That's a whole other a whole other story. Anyway, it's sad that they're removing IMAX from Navy Pier. Navy Pier's coming as, oh, we'll put something equally interesting and attention-getting in that space. Well, oh. that, that's a shame. Oh, 4D theater? It's a shame. Where you get water spit in your face and, and <laughs> air and the seat rumbles? Yeah. I don't know what, what they want out there. Um, Navy Pier is still the biggest attraction in the city of Chicago. Anyway, so we're going back to Godzilla and King Kong. So what did you think of the story? It was corny. The first, and even you said it, but before I said anything, when we left the movie theater, you're like, the first 40 minutes made no sense. I did not understand the first 40 minutes. The exposition of explaining the core of the center of the earth and the power of this, and the, I, I had no idea what they're talking about. They could have spent 40 minutes less, cut out probably three or four characters, and the movie would have been visually pleasing, aesthetically pleasing, and the fight scenes were pretty cool but just a lot of the dialogue was just genuinely corny but you know some of these actors got to get paid i guess and the girl from stranger things millie bobby brown spent the whole damn movie crying which (laughs) is an absolute annoyance because she just cries and whines the whole movie about stuff and then just at the end of the movies you're just like you did absolutely nothing so little of it made sense but it is fun to see these guys fighting each other i'm not sure what's accomplished king uh, godzilla comes to town and destroys (laughs) town and goes away King Kong tries to beat up this one and goes away. And then you have another mega monster, and then it becomes more interesting. Well, honestly, I will say that I wasn't... I was surprised when they did bring out the third monster because, uh, of course, I expected it just to be a a dogfight between Godzilla and King Kong, and then they had to team up and fight Megazilla or whatever his name was. Well, right, because we can't... Nothing can ever happen to our two stars because they have to go out and make more movies. So they have to exist. So they have to... Like we said earlier... They have to bond. Like we said earlier, King Kong always dies in the movies anyway, so what's the difference now? Well... (laughs) Not much, apparently. The little girl, you know... When I I saw the little girl... um, You're talking about the Polynesian girl? Whatever she is. A 10-year-old kid, a 10 or 11-year-old kid. The one that signed... When when she when she touches King Kong's hand, I mean this little minuscule little doll person with the great eyes. I kept thinking, okay, this is reminiscent of a Spielberg film because he always puts the same little kid in this this dangerous situation. It's mildly reflective of the times, though, because I remember King Kong used to be very much about King Kong taking the girl and having her, and it was mildly seductively sexual. And now with the way that twenty and twenty twenty one is, and how a lot of issues with Hollywood and sexual overt acts 
has gone out of the window it is now interesting to see them transition it from a sexual story to a touching child story. True. The the original King Kong was done in the pre pre uh, code era, and and Fay Ray is wearing a tiny little white slip, I think. And he, he, he there's no question that he's he's he is sexually interested. In her. Absolutely no question about it. Yeah. And it's so sort of provocative with his little glimmer in his eyes, and she's barely wearing anything because in those days she could get away with it. Uh, yeah, the little girl. He he is definitely fond of her. Not in the same Woody Allen way, though. Um, <laughs> There's no question about uh, his interest in her. Um, it's a, it's I mean, a, by the by the way, speaking of the little girl, did you hear that she she screams "fuck" in the movie? Which girl? The little four, a ten-year-old. When does she do that? She doesn't speak English. She only signs. She, I'm sorry. But she see she blurted out "fuck." Anyway, and I'm then, gonna I'm gonna have to disagree with you. Why on don't that. you you can you can watch it? On, on, unfortunately, you can turn on your TV and watch it. It's on HBO, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not going to watch the movie again to see if the little also, girl said fuck. Also, the mad scientist, the sort of Dr. Frankenstein, when he's in real trouble, he says, oh, shit. Well, Dr. Frankenstein, Do that? A, isn't he an adult? This Still, girl's 10 and she I, doesn't speak I, any English. I she am only su- signs. I am surprised about language in this film. That's all. So I'm just pointing out, I was very surprised. Because it is a kid's movie. Now, in the audience, however, yeah, there were some kids and... There's a lot what of families. About, what about the big, the big annoying, the most annoying thing of this stupid movie is in the big paddle, battle scene, they're fighting each other. Ugh. Somebody in that theater orders dinner and this hot curry arrives behind me. I don't know where you're sitting. I was sitting and, behind them, so I saw and, all their food come. And all I could think of, wow, I forgot about the fight. I kept some smelling this dinner I was dinner genuinely annoyed when they opened that curry because it's just... Envelops your <laughs> sense of smell. Exactly, it was strong. I nothing you could think about was just curry. So I forgot about the two monsters because I kept thinking about curry. And I don't even like curry. I thought, my God, what are they? This is the same thing we talked about the last episode about how we hate people who eat at movie theaters. Well, it used to be popcorn. Yeah. Well, popcorn <laughs> at least is fine because the smell goes away. But correct, the smell of curry in this, a closed uh, area. Oh, this did Lord. this did change the whole feeling of the rest of the movie for me. Yeah. That whole family, ch- and the thing is, that family kept ordering more, more and more food. The first time it came, they had four big bags of food. Then they ordered <laughs> beer. Then they ordered more food, and it's interesting. And I felt bad because I personally don't really care that much because yeah. when you walk in front of the screen, it is what it is. Like I wasn't that invested in the movie to care much, but mm-hmm. I felt bad for the people sitting next to them. What about that- me? They're, I, they're in back of me, and I, I couldn't. Yeah, get but away. at least you weren't getting your screen. No, walk that's, through that's the true. people sitting next to them had to smell their shit and also get their movie interrupted every time the people brought their yeah. food. <laughs> uh, well, the movie the movie's doing very well evidently. I was looking at variety; it's making a lot of money. Uh, statistically interesting, the audience makeup according to Variety is black and brown audience. They didn't put age in there yet, though, but it's making money. Well, you know and what? People the, are going back to the movies. You, you, I guess we have. To, I have to agree with that because. A fair amount of the families that were there were either black or Hispanic. There were, I think, you and John were the probably maybe like a couple, maybe like three or four others that were white. It was mostly minorities that were into the movies. But then, is that a demographic that usually likes Godzilla and King Kong? Can't say. I think it's something that we should look up. 
find out. I don't think we can statistically look that up. It's just something you see when you actually go to the movies. Well, kids relate to Godzilla because he destroys uh, King Kong. I, I don't know about relating to it, but... Um, I, I, I realistically never would have gone or watched the movie if you didn't buy the ticket and tell me that we were going. Yeah, you got to see it. The first time to go back to movie theater, of course. Uh-huh. Then we saw... How about the trailers? 20 minutes of trailers that all looked exactly the same. Bombastic. I was excited. Not going to lie. I'm not usually excited for Disney remakes of movies, but the Cruella DeVille trailer was really good. And I think I'm excited to see that movie and see what they do with that. Even though it's hmm. nothing to do with 101 Dalmatians or anything close to the sorts, but seeing Emma Stone become Cruella DeVille and the Baroness, which is the older version of Cruella DeVille, maybe. I don't know. We were kind of confused as to who was actually Cruella DeVille. Emma Thompson, I think, right? Yeah, I think, I believe so. Yeah. But, all right, that was one good trailer. But even that trailer was set up in a bombastic, explosive way with the same sound, the same everything, as everything else we saw. Well, the, the funniest one to me was, was because, of course, I like stand-up and comedy. The Saw movie with Chris Tucker. With Chris to me, it's Chris Tucker's voice is so distinct and so funny. Just to see him narrate and try to be serious with Saw was just such a <laughs> abstract concept. And you know what? Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. And of course, they have Samuel Jackson and some heavy hitter movies, mm-hmm. movie actors in there. But it was pretty funny to hear him try to play this role and just hearing because because I, I when I hear his voice, I hear his old stand up bits. Mm-hmm. about things and then to hear him in the Saw movie is just threw me off and I couldn't even take it seriously because the Saw movies are already kind of a joke as it is exactly Saw 9 Saw 8 a lot of movies a lot of Saw movies what, yeah what number is this I, I Saw I don't even know what other trailers did we see that were good not, they, I they that, all became the same to me they weren't very good I guess those but, two were the only ones that stood totally out they're totally chosen for this audience that's how you do it they are here for an action movie, Godzilla and Kong, and they have cho- whoever chooses these. Tra- they, they position probably Warner Brothers. They position those in for the same audience. They do a good job, I will say, of making you miss the mo- the movies. It was very nostalgic watching the trailers and mm-hmm. seeing the movies come back because it's as almost as if you had never left and they just continued making movies and you come back and right. the trailers are here and the movies are available and you're they're going to start coming out again and it was a nice mm-hmm. friendly reminder of what things were except for the curry except for the curry absolutely yeah god no i I, I was disappointed besides that table that kept driving me crazy uh, I was disappointed that everything on the screen before the movie started was the same old crap from AMC a year ago. The same bombastic voice saying, AMC, and turn your phones off, and buy a Coca-Cola, the same, the same old piece of film. I was sorry that they hadn't updated and made something special that bring us all back because we're back in the movies. That, was, that, that disappointed me artistically. You, know? you don't even care. You don't even know. You don't get enough movies. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say that, but you're you're correct to a certain extent. You're going to stay with Netflix and HBO. You're not going to go back and do this. I know that. I'll drag. Well, I'll drag it, you. To, we got to see the James Bond movie. It's got to. We're going to see the James Bond come movie out sooner or later. We're going to watch the Wes Anderson French Connection movies someday. Yeah. Whenever it decides to release after Cannes. Yeah. 
Are you, what about you? Are you, uh, what, what's coming up for you in your world? I know that you're writing a book, so tell us a little bit about that. What's, well, what's know, up with that? I, I was, it's funny. I'm very excited. Yes, I'm writing an awful lot. But I, speaking of the movies in Chicago, I was writing a chapter about my first meeting with old man Mayor Daly. The, the dad the, the or real, the son? The real Mayor Daly, the father. We have to remember that the demographic of the people who listen are, don't know, so you got to explain Well, to there the are two Mayor Daly's. There was a real one, then there was a Mayor Daly Light, as I'd call him. <laughs> Mayor Daly Jr. Jr., whatever. And uh, I think it was about 1969, I needed help to keep the film festival going. And I, I, nothing to fear, I went to meet old man Daly. And he agreed to see me. He agreed to see me, and uh, I went to his office and said I need help to keep the film festival going. And now this is after the 1968 convention when he, his famous line, shoot to kill the kids, you know, and all. And Haskell Wexler made a movie called Medium Cool, which destroyed the city and showed the behind the scenes of the 1968 horror show here. And Daly, from that point on, said, no films will ever be shot in the city of Chicago again until I approve the scripts. So I'll get a committee. And I had already worked on dismantling. We had a censor board, believe it or not. Chicago had a censor board that Daly had put in place. And it was made up of about nine widows, a policeman. This gave them, I don't know, gave them some authority. Jesus. And they built a, an old courtroom. I had to go there, the old courtroom with it, and they put a projector in there, and every film that was going to be shown had to be dragged into that courtroom for these nine ladies to watch, and they would decide if it was X-rated or, or GP. They made they had to make up numbers. There was no such thing as the Motion Picture Association. So, because the film festival was showing foreign films, that meant in their mind that they're pornographic. So I dragged and paid a, a feature film weighs about 100 pounds. I'm dragging these 35 millimeter films, one per day, and I paid $100, that's a lot of money back then, to have them screen one, then they'd screen it, then I'd drag another one in, another one in. And the funny part is, they, they said, these are very boring films, and they have subtitles, and um, they're not very sexy. And I said, correct, but we don't know how to rate them. I said, okay. I said, well, I'm not gonna, after the 10th film, it's $1,000. I said, I'm not gonna bring you any more films. I will make the festival from this point on adults only. That's 1969. I said, no more ratings, no more you. And I started talking to the newspapers. I said, you know, this censor board thing makes no sense. These old ladies are not qualified for anything. Just because they're widows of, of dead policemen, whatever. And they sit there in a courtroom and judge movies. And eventually, they, they were, it was a folly and they were disbanded. I'm sure there's more to that story, but that's my side of that story. <laughs> well, that's that's interesting because I've never even heard of that. And that's you weren't even born yet. For my, my, my parents weren't even born yet. Oh, so that, that shows really, my age. I really, <laughs> I, I hate you. <laughs> well, that was. Uh, but Daly was. Oh, Daly was great. So, besides all that, I said, I said, "Well, I need I need theaters. I need hotels. I need stuff." And he had his uh, henchman there. He had one guy, a wonderful man, a PR assistant named Frank Sullivan. He said, he'll take care of you. He'll, he'll, he'll do stuff for you. And you need a theater, I'll give you McCormick Place. I said, uh, seriously, McCormick Place is far away. And I said, I'll give you McCormick Place, kid. You know McCormick, the convention center? Yeah. The theaters. Was it as big as it was now? Of course. It was that beautiful, that beautiful black 
uh, Mies van der Rohe building. The one that they're not using anymore or Correct. trying not to use? <laughs> Exquisite one. They want to tear down. Uh, all right, give him that. He said, give, give the kid McCormick place. This is exactly what he said. Very powerful statement. And and it's a quote. And I, I, I said, all right. Then I need hotels, need this. And he said, one thing, I'll give you stuff, but you mustn't put my name on anything. I said. I wasn't going to do that anyways. <laughs> no, no, of course I would. You have to. And he said, the kind of movies you show could lose me votes. And I said, you're absolutely right. That was our little agreement. <laughs> that was a real Mayor Daly. It's, it's interesting. That's funny. That's the city really worked. <laughs> interesting to hear the, the politics that are still very relevant today yeah. happening back in the day. Oh, I try to convince him of a lot of things. But it was really very funny. <laughs> he put up with me for a while. Yeah. I had this idea of closing Lakeshore Drive for one Sunday and having a roller skating. Uh, it's for, like the bike for, thing. In these days. But this is roller skating because Chicago roller skates. Big roller skates came from Chicago. And Chicago roller skating company. I said, and everyone will wear a film festival t-shirt. It'll promote the festival. It'll be out of drive. And he said, that's not a bad idea. So then his people said, that's ridiculous. They said, the thing is covered with potholes back then. Potholes, you can't roll this guy. I said, okay. <laughs> well, I, le I left. Your idea died right then and there, huh? Right there. Well, I'm sure people would have gotten injured if they tried to roller skate in potholes. It, it would have been a bad idea. I'm surprised the bicycle thing even works because it is, it's pretty beaten up, Lakeshore Drive with holes and stuff. Yeah, every time they do that bicycle thing, I always want to take my electric longboard and go down it, but they're very strict about what you Get can and can't do. Get your insurance going. Heavily, you have to heavily insure the whole idea. Anyway, that was that's a moment from my book, kids. <laughs> anyway, Godzilla will continue. You know that. King Kong, I guess, will continue too. All right, kiddo. Well, I guess this is the end of the episode. Yeah, we'll catch you guys I, next I time. You, I put you to sleep with that story, I think. No, I, I actually enjoy <laughs> listening to these stories, and I wish you would give us more. And I think over time we will start talking more about these stories and the history that you have with the festival and cinema. Oh, and by, the, by the way, we did do McCormick Place and that story. We did go out there and do it. We had to build little cinemas in, the, in there and bring all the projectionists in and everything. And do you... Do you remember that fondly, or do you remember? I remember because I know nobody came, but I thought it was free. How many times did you end up using the McCormick Place? That's where the festival was that year. Okay. Never did it again, but we, we, we did it. And uh, Well, stay tuned to the podcast. We're going to give you more stories as Michael writes his book more. So if you want to hear more of these stories, follow us. And go, go see, make your own opinion about Godzilla and King Kong. You know, go, yep. see, go you, see it for yourself. If you can't watch it in the movie theaters, it's on HBO Max. If you can't watch it on HBO Max, figure it out. You don't want to see it on a little screen. Well, Unless, half of the people like it and half of the people I've talked to hate it. So it's kind of, it's up to you. You decide your fate. But anyways, we'll catch you guys next time. Take care.